Hello, and welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. You're going to hear the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of everyday coaches, scouts, executives, and even entrepreneurs that are making their mark in baseball and in life by pursuing their passion and love of the greatest game on earth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Love the Game, Live the Dream. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream. How's everybody doing today on this gorgeous April 19th? I am your host, Nick Holmes, and today, episode 14. I'm excited to introduce you to a young man by the name of Justin Volman. Justin is the CEO of a company called College Baseball Scouting Network, and we met a couple of months ago after I had the opportunity of listening to him being interviewed on another podcast, and I got a chance to see what his company was all about. I was immediately taken back by the fact that he's 22 years old. He just graduated from the University of Alabama in three and a half years, which, as we all know, it's very difficult to graduate in four years these days. But he's just a very, very entrepreneurial-minded and very driven young man who, again, started this company based on a award that he won at the 2017 Aldag Business Plan competition. So his business plan was this business, and they won $50,000. He took that and a little bit of um, some other working capital that he had saved up, and he started this company, and it's fantastic. He's hired over 120 regional scouts in the first year alone and is planning to expand that number as well as getting into the international side of things. So I won't tell you everything about him, uh, but I think any of you people out there listening that are wanting to get into the business, again, here's a kid. uh, I say kid because he's just so much younger than me, but here's a young man who went out, had an idea for something, put it uh, down on paper, got it out there, and now he's acting on it, and he's he's, uh, he's developed a business, and he's making some money. So his um, plan is to get all the minor league and major league teams, uh, organizations worldwide even, you know, even in, in Europe and, and some of the other professional leagues to uh, eventually use his company as the go-to scouting service. Um, he also wants to help other young professionals become future scouts and coaches and agents, um, analytics, writers, you know, you name it. So this falls right I was really inspired. Number one, I was inspired for the fact that you are so young uh, coming out of the gate here and, and taking on uh, a pretty large endeavor with uh, building a scouting company. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the Collegiate Scouting Network? Sure. So I started the company um, December 2016. Um, the real reason I started it was I worked for the Brewster Whitecaps of the Cape Cod Baseball League. And I saw that some guys um, weren't getting opportunities in the collegiate summer leagues just because of what school they played for or the division that they were in. Because the collegiate summer leagues are really a relationship-based business. And if the GM of the collegiate summer league team doesn't have a relationship with a coach, um, he's probably not going to get players sent to that that collegiate summer team. Um, So I really wanted to try to establish a scouting network for uh, collegiate summer leagues around the country and really help them um, find the best talent possible, no matter the school that, or the division that they go to. 
Um, and so that's where the original vision started. And then we expanded it uh, to offer our services to major league teams, player agencies, independent leagues, and college teams as well. Um, so mm-hmm. last spring season, we started off at uh, 35 scouts. Um, really, we're just sort of testing out the process and figuring out what would work and what didn't work. And we uh, expanded this season to 120 scouts with um, 115 throughout the U.S. and five in Canada. Um, And we've gotten the data process down and um, we're working with multiple MLB teams. And it's just been a really exciting uh, progression from last year to this year. Wow, that sounds incredible. There's a lot of stuff there that I want to get into a little bit uh, more as we as we go through the interview. But I'm sure there's some listeners out there trying to figure out, you know, how did this guy get into this? Well, let's start from the beginning. Let tell the listeners and myself too a little bit about your background. You know, where you're from, where were you born, a little bit about your family. If you care to share that? Um, and and then when was it that you? fell in love with baseball did you play all the way through high school and college and whatnot sure so i'm from monroe connecticut uh it's a small town about an hour outside of new york city um and i grew up in the heart of yankee territory but uh my family Mm -hmm. is diehard uh boston red sox fans so that (laughs) definitely was a an interesting made for an interesting childhood especially when uh parents at the bus stop when you're five years old or telling my dad that it's child abuse that I'm a Red Sox fan. Um, <laughs> so that, that ingrained it in me pretty hard, my Red Sox fandom and uh, my hatred for, for Yankee fandom. Um, it's definitely a uh, big rivalry and it's uh, goes in the neck of the theater. woods. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. Um, so from an early age, I was definitely um, fell in love with baseball. I only actually played um in little league. And then I went to play and I played lacrosse in high school and uh, my okay. first year of college. Um, but my dad always would have the Red Sox game on every night. And uh, I just mm-hmm. really fell in love with the game. And uh, one personal note, I can remember when I was in elementary school, my dad told me before a school Halloween party that uh, Shea Hillenbrand had gotten traded and he was one of my favorite players growing up. And I remember being devastated just in the backseat of the car. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, I so mean, I uh, sorry, I just I was oh, sorry jump in real quick. Uh, Shay Hillenbrand was one of the guest speakers over at our conference in uh, BC last month. Uh, he's a friend of mine uh, from the past, and I'll, I'll have to share that with him. He'd be happy to hear that. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. He was one of my favorite <laughs> players when he was on the Red Sox growing up, and I was definitely devastated when they traded him. But uh, I definitely had a had a big connection with the Red Sox from uh, or from an early age. And uh, I can remember my dad, uh, when the Red Sox finally came back and won the World Series in 04, uh, he, he put in shaving cream on our neighbor's driveway, um, like go Red Sox or Red Sox <laughs> World Series champions. And he that year he was uh, Johnny Damon for Halloween. He, we, my mom and dad put all the newspaper clippings up on the uh, – up on the house, showing wow. the, the champion. So yeah, it's a my it's a big big deal in my family. My dad's a huge Boston sports fan. Uh, his our basement is pretty much like a museum of Patriots, Red Sox, Bruins, and Celtics memorabilia. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. So it's a definitely been a big part of my uh, childhood and ever since. Uh huh. And so and then so how did you end up uh, going to school down in Alabama? That's that's quite a ways away from home. Different culture. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so when I was uh, the junior year or like the summer of my junior year, 
of high school, I wanted to look at schools that sort of were like big uh, SEC football schools. So mm-hmm. me and my parents, we went on a, a, a two-week 14-school uh, college trip where we flew down to Miami and went from, we drove from Miami all the way throughout the Southeast and all the way up the East Coast and ended it at Penn State and then drove home. Um, so when I was just driving, when we were driving to all these different schools, uh, I really liked Alabama. Um, I really liked the campus. Um, they gave great out-of-state school scholarships. And uh, I really wanted to get that sort of rivalry in college sports that I had in professional sports um, mm-hmm. in Connecticut because sort of college sports aren't that um, big in terms of like college football or um, that type of stuff in, in the Northeast, usually professional sports are number one. So I kind of wanted to go to a place where um, college sports were the predominant um, mm-hmm. fandom for my college education. And I really loved my time in Alabama. Uh, I graduated in three and a half years and it's definitely been just a great experience here. I learned a lot and I had some great professors along the way and made some great friends, but I really uh, have enjoyed my time in Tuscaloosa. What did, uh, what did pops think about you going down there? Was there, did he want you to stay close to home and, and maybe support that, uh, that Northeast, uh, sports connection? Um, funnily enough, my dad was really excited, uh, for me to go to Alabama. Um, my mom and dad always said that we could go, um, really as far away from home as we wanted. Um, my dad mm-hmm. was really excited because he is at when him and my mom both went to UMass, but their football program is unfortunately not mm-hmm. great. So he wanted the opportunity to experience some SEC football. Um, sure. he loved it coming down for the games and he just, lo- he, whenever he takes such pride in wearing Alabama, um, clothing. He, he he texts me every time he hears someone t- say "Roll Tide" to him, no matter where <laughs> he is. Um, so he really enjoyed the fact that I went to a, a big SEC school. Um, and my brother, actually, he's a year younger than me. He's in college uh, at C- University of St Andrews in Scotland right now. Um, oh, cool. So my parents definitely didn't put any uh, limitations on the distance <laughs> that we could go away from school, because um, sort of the prevailing mindset in my town was that a lot of the parents wanted their kids to stay in Connecticut or New York or Rhode Island mm-hmm. or Massachusetts and wanted to be able to visit them every other weekend. Um, but my parents thankfully gave me the freedom to choose a school far away. And it's definitely, um, definitely paid off. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned a brother, do you have any other siblings? Nope. Just one younger brother. Uh, he's a year younger than me. Um, and you... he's, he's loving life in Scotland right now. And how, how old are you? Uh, I'm 22. 22. That's great, man. CEO of a company at 22 years old, graduated college in three and a half years. That That's pretty impressive, young man, I have to say. Uh, yeah, I bet your parents are really proud of that. When you thought of this, I mean, I'm guessing you did some research and probably talked to a bunch of coaches that were uh, that you had access to. Is that how that, that came about? Did you go find out what it is they were looking for? Or did you just kind of know there was a need for it? Yeah, so I um, worked closely with Jamie Shevchuk, the coach of the Brewster Whitecaps, um, at, I went to the winter meetings um, that December and really talked to MLB scouts and really tried to figure out if there was um, a need for my service. And um, just from workshopping it with various MLB teams and uh, workshopping it with different college coaches and collegiate summer league coaches, I definitely saw that there was a need for this um, just for the mere fact that 
Um, one story I like to tell is when I worked for the Brewster Whitecaps, the team was chock full of prospects. It had Nick Senzel and Jordan Sheffield and um, numerous other big name um, MLB prospects. Um, mm-hmm. But one pitcher on the team was named Tyson Miller, and he played for um, a small D2 school called Cal Baptist. And he ended up, none of the scouts knew who he was when he got on the Cape. All this, I was the scout liaison, so I was directly responsible. I was the intermediary between the team and all the scouts. And so they were, when he got on the feet, on the mound, he's 6'4", 200 pounds, and throwing 94 miles an hour. And all the scouts were like, who is this guy? We've never heard of him. And mm-hmm. it just, and I just, he was one of, if not the best pitcher and really um, performed just as well as Jordan Sheffield did that summer. And he obviously was a big name prospect from Vanderbilt who everyone knew about. So it just goes to show that there's really so much talent um, all across the country and all across the world um, for baseball. And there's mm-hmm. just not enough manpower to, to see all this talent. And I really want to make sure that um, these players really get the exposure that they deserve. And he went from Tyson Miller went from being unknown uh, to being drafted in the fourth round by the Cubs. So it goes to show that when these players get these uh, get the exposure that they deserve, talent really shines through. Sure, sure. And and how is that being received when you talk to say major league organizations? And how does that uh, how does that come to fruition? I mean, are you cold calling these guys and trying to get every scouting director uh, to get a meeting with them, or how are you doing that? Yeah, so that's uh, it's been interesting just doing that process. Uh, either it's cold calling or sending emails or. Um, using my connections within the baseball industry to try to get um, just some demos or sending sample information. Um, thankfully, I've had a couple of MLB teams uh, take the leap with us, and it's been really great so far, and I'm excited to uh, to get more on in the future um, because I, I definitely know that baseball is a copycat league, and um, mm-hmm. when one MLB team sees that another is using the service, they're going to wonder, okay, is this team getting competitive advantage that we're losing out on? Um, so I definitely am excited to get more MLB teams on the future. Now that last year when we were really p- pitching MLB teams and over the summer, it was really still really theoretical um, because we really hadn't gathered the amount of data that we have now and we didn't have the network established and we didn't mm-hmm. have all our data points established of what we were going to collect. So now that we have a season under our, or we're about halfway through the season, but once the season ends, we'll have a full season's worth of data and video um, under our belt. So teams mm-hmm. and our other potential clients will really know that this is a company that can provide the value that we seek to provide to all the different clients in baseball that we um, hope to work with. Um, and they'll be able to see really how our system can uh, provide value to theirs. Mm-hmm. And when, okay. So when you're talking to the MLB organizations, uh, I know you said you're using your, you know, your contacts and your networks and that's how it's done in every business, right? Uh, more about who you know. What kind of uh, what kind of things are you running into from the teams that you know just aren't interested right now, or what what kind of what reasons do they give you to say, hey, well, we've got our own scouting department. We've got. I mean, do you hear things like that, or is it you know not now, kid? Try us next year, that kind of stuff. I and mean, what what are you running into? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, we some organizations. Um, sort of are moving away more from scouting. Um, some organizations are taking more right. data-driven apo- approach. So we've run into a couple different obstacles with teams. Um, also budgetary teams are just trying to figure out, like some teams will already have their, 
their budget's all set for the scouting network or their scouting departments for the year. So they are hesitant to request more money, especially for a company that just started out. Um, yeah, hasn't really we, proved, yeah. Yeah. So I think that now that we sort of have this season under our belt, um, the conversations will be a lot easier next um over the summer and mm-hmm. um, before next season, um, just because we'll be able to show them our full season's worth of data. Um, we'll keep expanding, not only in the U.S., but further internationally. We really want to become an international scouting network. And um, uh, there's just simply too much manpower or too many players and not enough manpower to see all right. these players. So it's, I mean, it just sort of MLB teams, um, some of them are slower um, to moving towards new advances than others. I mean, we really saw 15 years ago with the whole Moneyball movement, um, there was a lot of hesitancy to move towards this type of um, statistical-based thinking. And now, 15 years later, um, it's really, uh, if a team doesn't have a fully-fledged analytics department, then they're behind and they're sort of a dinosaur. So with baseball... um, Everyone sort of has new ideas every year, but um, sometimes it takes a couple years for teams and um, different clients to adapt to um, mm-hmm. a different way of doing business. So um, I'm excited from, for, with the teams that we've been working with so far, and I think that um, more will join on in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's interesting. Do you run into any instances, or I should say, your scouts run into any instances out on the road with with the MLB guys and the organizations, as far as wondering what what your guys are doing there? And we've got we used to have the uh, the Major League Scouting Bureau, which is uh, now gone defunct in the last couple of years here. So I'm just curious of you know how your scouts are are handling being in the same stadiums and the same same fields with the MLB scouts, and if they're run into any issues or, or what are the conversations like good or bad? Yeah. So we've definitely had some positive um, interactions with scouts. Obviously there's been some negative interactions with scouts, but um, overwhelmingly it's been positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, really since a lot of our scouts are very um, passionate about what they do and they're just really eager to learn. I mean, there's plenty of scouts, MLB scouts all across the country that are eager to teach um, the next generation of really, what they know and what they've learned throughout their careers as being MLB scouts. Um, and we really want to be able to help MLB scouts because it's, it's tough for one area scout to cover a whole state. I mean, he can't be at 20 different games as one at once. So if we can help an MLB organization really pinpoint where his, the scout should be going each game. Um, I think that that will make not only the MLB organization's lives easier, but I think it'll make Mm -hmm. the scouts life life easier as well. So we really want to try to help um, MLB organizations pinpoint um, so with the best that, possible. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that was great. I was just going to jump in. So with with that being said, you've got a young scout who's who's in the in the stands and he's he's uh, maybe draw has a conversation with uh, one of the older guys from from the organization that's been there a long time. Are you? training your guys to share that information with those teams a lot like the the bureau is kind of uh they used to be you know neutral so there's there's no allegiance to any one team but at the same time that's some pretty sensitive information right so how does that help or hurt you if you have guys out there sharing that information Sure. So we try to keep it pretty close to the vest. Um, mm-hmm. Our MLB clients are are confidential, and we don't really share those with our scouts um, because okay. we want to make sure that 
Um, they really were interested making want they were our t- our team clients were interested in making sure that sort of the data that they were having us collect wasn't um, made public or really the players that they're asking us to collect aren't made public um, mm-hmm. to just preserve their competitive advantage in terms of the players that they found. Um, so we ask our scouts to be more broad in terms of the topics they discuss with scouts. So they can discuss specific players they see or advice from, from on scouting tools and that type of stuff. Um, but we really try to keep it pretty close to the vest mm-hmm. and um, make sure that our scouts um, really have it on a need to know basis um, mm-hmm. of what, they need to be disclosing to other organizations and um, people that they meet along the way. So we definitely encourage our scouts to talk with other MLB team scouts, but we we don't really want them withhold or disclosing our confidential sort of information to other teams. And are the, the, the teams that you, I I know you said they're, they're, uh, you know, in confidence, but just for an example, if, if a team says, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to, we would like to use your services. We'd like you to, are they giving you specific players to look at? Or are they giving you specific regions or divisions? Like say we've got, uh, you know, three area guys in Southern California. So we pretty much have all the top high schools and college players covered, but what we need is some help at, you know, division three levels or, or maybe, you know, what, what are they, what are they letting you in on as far as where, where they need help or are they, are they just saying, go out and bring us in some information and we'll be the judge of how good you are at it. Sure. So some of our clients um, have provided us with lists of names of players that they want to see. Um, and it's really broken down by state. So, um, one of our clients gave us a list that was over 2,000 players um, of guys they wanted us to see throughout the season or in the summer as well. Um, and so it's they really want us to cast a wide net and try to see as many of the players on their list as possible, but also mm-hmm. uh, identify talent for them that might not be on their list. It works a couple different ways. And I think that as the, as the years progress, um, teams will be really working with us to help us pinpoint exactly where we, they want us to distribute our scouting network um, and really make sure that we're providing the most value to them. So before the season starts, they can say, so we were at 120 scouts this year. They can be like, well, we want further coverage in West Texas or Northern California or more in Southern Illinois or something like that. And we can, Mm -hmm. we can craft our hiring process to make sure that we fulfill those areas um, mm-hmm. So we really want to work really closely with our MLB clients to make sure that we're providing the best value um, possible for them and really want to make sure that we're filling all the gaps that we possibly can. So if they are looking for a specific data point that they want us to collect or if they want us to get like behind the like home or center field video or something on a picture or home plate video on a picture, like we can really uh, acquiesce those specific requests as long as they're within our really our scouting network. Right, right. That was I was going to ask you. That was, are you going by the eighty twenty, and and are you using video, and are you doing the same things that a lot of organizations are already doing, or is there anything else new that you might be bringing to the table to to help convince these organizations that you guys know what you're doing? Sure. So yeah, we do uh, twenty eighty grade um, reports. We do um, we collect box score statistics. We collect um, usually three angles of video, so home plate, open and close side. Um, but then we also get a real um, get really specific in terms of the statistics we collect. So we collect a lot of beyond the box score statistics that you really wouldn't be able to collect unless you're physically at the game. Uh, so just to give an example, like we collect velocities, but we also collect swings and misses by pitch, um, hard contact to each side of the field, um, swings and misses 
uh, or hard contact by pitch, strike ball mm-hmm. percentage. Um, we collect a lot of statistics that really wouldn't be able to be collected or aren't available to the general public um, unless you're physically at the game. Um, right. Because, I mean, a lot of those SEC games are available on SEC Network or um, their information is really cataloged online. For a lot of those non-Power 5 D1 schools or D2 or D3 or high schools games, unless you're physically at that game, you might not be able to get the velocities that the pitcher's throwing that day or you might not be able to see uh, the open side video of that pitcher. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're really providing MLB organizations with the value of if your scout's not at the game, well, we're going to give you the data that's from that game. So you don't necessarily need to have um, the scout go to every single game because we're providing the data on from that game. And also we can help scouts um, if they don't necessarily put um, as much stock into our scouting grades, because obviously the many scouts and MLB organizations have 10, 15 years of experience. Um, right. They'll be able to look at our statistical data um, and our video data and see if it really backs up our scouting grades. And then sure. they can make their own assumptions with the video that we collect and the statistics that we collect. So um, we try to provide as many different qualitative and quantitative data points as possible. Right, right. And with that, uh, the scouts that you're sending out into uh, into the world here and, and looking at these games and what, what qualifies them or do you have a training manual or something that you go through or do they have to come to you and prove to you to some degree that they know how to evaluate a player? Yeah. So our application process is pretty stringent. We All of our uh, management team um, work together to create a very strict application process where our scouts have uh, go through a questionnaire that we where we got questions from different MLB teams and we really tried to make it as strict as an MLB hiring process is. So if play if our potential applicants um, don't necessarily show the right aptitude for a career in baseball, um, then we're not going to hire them. Um, mm-hmm. And furthermore, we do an interview process as well with all the scouts because. One of the biggest things of being a remote scout is you really need to be a self-driving and self-motivated worker. Um, You really can't be the type of person that relies on a supervisor looking over your shoulder every day. So the people that really want to work in baseball, they are going to be grinders and they're going to be people that are willing to work long hours and are really passionate about what they do. And there's just so many people um, all across the country that want to work in baseball and we're trying to provide opportunities for students and postgrads that don't necessarily have the opportunity to get this firsthand baseball experience while they're school and still in school or with their current full-time job. Um, so we're really helping our scouts build their personal scouting portfolios. So when they go to interview with MLB teams um, or agencies for jobs, they could say, I evaluated these 100 players Here's a couple of my scouting notes on here's what I think about these players. And they'll really go into interviews uh, more prepared than just someone who is loving the game, but doesn't have that real world experience. Right. That's great. And so teams that you're speaking with and the ones that are interested in getting this information, I'm, I'm guessing uh, they're asking you these same questions, like, uh, well, who are these scouts and, and uh, how do we know we're going to get the information? But it sounds to me like you, you've already got that, that issue taken care of by sending them, like you said, sending them the video, sending them the reports and let them judge for themselves. Right. 
Correct. And we also yeah. do a really strict training program um, before the season even starts. So in the fall and winter months, we give our scouts a weekly training assignment. And we definitely have used that as a weed out process. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen that if a scout can't do one weekly training assignment, then he's probably not going to be able to submit uh, three or six reports coming in season. Um, right. So we created a very detailed scouting guide for them. Um, we really tried to make sure that um, even if a lot of our scouts didn't have that prior scouting experience, we really wanted to make sure that they were trained properly and had the knowledge to go into the baseball season confident in their abilities. Excellent. A uh, quick question about the sixth tool, the personality, the character of the player, all the things that you can't see on the field in between the lines. You know, it's always been one of those things the you know that scouts have that kind of sets them apart from getting taken over by computers and technology. So I'm wondering, do you guys have uh, any training in that department or do your scouts um, – do they take that into consideration? Are they able to get into and and talk with some of these players and add that to their reports? Yeah. So a couple um, different points. So um, it sort of depends on the schools, the scout work, the scouts work with. So with some of the non-power five D one or D two or D three or high schools or JUCOs, we're able to get some of that closer um, contact with the coaches and the players, Mm -hmm. um, just more access to those programs. Um, and our scouts are working on building relationships with the coaches um, and the players. And we're really hoping that um, we'll start to see that pay more dividends um, in the coming years as coaches and players become more familiar with our brand. Um, they'll see that we're really trying to help them get exposure um, and that will um, really help them um, in the future get seen by MLB teams or by colleges or player agencies or really whatever their future goals are. Um, and so we're really trying to make it so our scouts can see if, so they'll analyze, okay, if, uh, is, how's this guy doing? Is he, if he goes over four and four strikeouts, is he breaking his bad? Is he getting into arguments with umpires or coaches? And sure. we're really trying to keep track of as many data points as possible where, our scouts will be able to analyze some of those, um, like you're saying, those six tool factors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's your what's your long term goal for this company? Is this something that you see yourself doing in in five to ten years, or is this a stepping stone for for Justin Volman to get in there and be the general manager of the uh, Boston Red Sox one of these days? Um, no, I definitely want to work uh, with in this company for another five to 10 years, um, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think there's a lot of room for growth. Um, I really want to expand further internationally. Um, and then my concept can really be applied to other sports as well. Um, so I think really the next sport that we would apply our concept to is soccer. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's, um, I think that it's about to explode in popularity in the United States. And I really believe that, I mean, you just look at the amount of money um, some European and, English and German and Italian teams, um, the amount of money that they spend um, looking for players across the world is sure. is huge. And so I really think that um, soccer is really the next sport that we could apply uh, our concept to. So I'm really excited just to continue expanding it into baseball, but um, I definitely want to continue uh, expanding the company further in other realms as well. Mm-hmm. So are you done hiring for the season here or is there, you know, how can a young man or woman that's interested in getting involved here get a hold of you? Is there, is there a way to uh, get on a waiting list or how does that work? Sure. So we'll be doing our hiring process. Um, we're usually, we're really doing it like a year long 
um, contracting with the company where they'll work, we'll train them throughout the summer. They might do some summer league scouting if they're near a, a collegiate summer league, um, but we'll work on training them throughout the summer and the fall and the winter um, in preparation for next spring. Um, so we'll be putting out our applications for that on Teamwork Online um, and on our website, cbscout.net, actually today or tomorrow. Um, and we're, we're, we're looking for probably about 100 more scouts um, across the United States and wow. in Canada, the DR, Puerto Rico, um, Japan, mm -hmm. Korea. So we really want to get um, as many scouts not only in the U.S., but internationally as well. So um, if anyone's interested... Um, definitely look for our job posting on uh, teamwork um, and or look uh, on our Twitter page or on our uh, website, cbscout.net. Okay, that's great. And the big question I'm sure a lot of people listening is going to have is this, uh, is this a an intern or a volunteer position or is this a paid position or what can this lead to as far as a career for someone starting off? Sure. So our scouts are paid on a commission basis and as mm -hmm. well as all of our other um, interns for our company. Um, so, cause we not only have our scouting department, but we have a dedicated social media team, a dedicated analytics team, um, a dedicated uh, staff writing team as well for our website, cbscouts.net, where we produce original written content. Um, so all of that get them get paid sort of on a production basis. So we pay our scouts, um, $10 per report. Um, and we really want to make sure that we don't want to cap earning potential, but, um, we, we set it sort of at a max of a thousand dollars per season. Um, because we've sort of seen that if a scout's mm -hmm. doing more than, say, six reports a week or more than 100 reports during the season, um, that the quality so seems to suffer. Um, so we really don't want to make sure that our scouts are really focusing on the quality of the reports and aren't just trying to do 15 reports a game and half the data ends up being um, not quality data. Um, and right. so we really want to provide um, college students or postgrads with a way to make some extra money on the side but also use it as a stepping stone to work in MLB organizations or um, work in um, agencies. We've had um, past scouts um, go from our organization to different MLB teams like the Royals or the Mets um, and work for other eight, work for uh, player rep agencies as well. Um, so we've seen our scouts and our other various um, people that work for our company use it as a stepping stone um, for their future careers. Um, and then beyond that, we also have, and we really, we, um, promote from within. Um, so a lot of our scouts, um, from last season became members of our management team for this season. Um, and we're currently in the process of hiring some new management roles for next season and for the summer as well. Um, and those people are compensated, um, in, in a mix of profit sharing, um, and equity in the company. So we've definitely seen, um, mm -hmm. some strong promotion from within, um, so there's room for growth within the organization, but there's also room for growth just personally um, where you can learn about MLB scouting tactics. You can um, learn different analytics techniques, social media techniques, really whatever division or whatever future you, whatever future career you want to be in will help you um, sort of get to that next step where you can go to an organization, an MLB team and say, I've got the records of experience to be to fill this role, I have prior experience in this role, and it can really be a benefit and a value to your organization. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind me asking, uh, you know, how are you guys staying in business and staying afloat? Is this uh, something you have to reach out and get uh, investors for, or uh, did you have a, a big piggy bank at home, or how how are you uh, keeping this this big ship afloat? 
Sure. So a couple of different ways. Um, so I personally invested my own money um, that I got from a personal injury settlement because um, I was in a car accident in high school and uh, I got oh, a personal injury settlement from that um, last year. So that's been a big, a big part of the startup, um, being able to support that. Um, and then recently, my company won uh, the Aldag um, business plan competition through the University of Alabama. Um, and so that'll be another $50,000 to put Good for you the company. That's yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah. It was definitely a great, great experience and a great opportunity for my company to continue to grow. Um, and then we've also worked to get different partnerships with different companies. So um, we leveraged our social media growth and our website reach, and we are working with Pocket Radar and they gave us a discount um, on our radar guns that we provide to all of our scouts just because mm -hmm. of, Sort of, we partnered with them, and we're having them on our podcast and writing pieces about them and doing different stuff like that. Um, but then also, we are in the process of forming a partnership with a company called Three P Sports, and they are really interested in analyzing pitcher video to determine the probability of um, pitcher injuries um, through biomechanics and through their machine learning software. Um, so we're really excited about the earning potential from that partnership as well. Um, and it's just been really great. And obviously the, the revenue that we bring in from our clients, um, has definitely been very helpful. Um, but yeah. we're excited for the next five to 10 years. We really think that we have a profitable concept and that will continue to grow and continue to uh, get more clients. And if you had all 30 major league teams on there, I'm sure that's a, that's gotta be high on your goal list, right? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously this company's only been in business for, about a year now, but I mean, sure. in five to 10 years, I could see us potentially um, starting to maybe replace some of the current scouting networks in place for some MLB teams um, just because of our reach and um, just the amount of scouts that we have on board and just as our notoriety and our brand continues to grow. Um, so I definitely would love to get all 30 MLB organizations on board. Um, yeah. And beyond that, um, if some MLB organizations are looking to move towards less from professional scouts and more towards our scouting organization where they'll um, sort of contract out their scouting networks. Um, we'd be so interested in that as well. So there's definitely some interesting possibilities um, in mm -hmm. the future, but right now we're mainly hoping to supplement the current scouting systems in place. But obviously as we continue to grow and continue to become a better organization, maybe in five to 10 years, we could potentially um, replace some of those current scouting systems that are in place for various organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, well, another quick question regarding that as an organization, and obviously you don't, I know you're trying to keep it confidential, but do you guys just have a flat fee that you charge the team or is it based on what the team's needs are? Have you gone down that road with in negotiations with them? Yeah. So it sort of depends on, um, on the client. So we have different price models for the LB okay, teams, mm -hmm. for the player rep agencies, for college teams, for collegiate summer leagues, um, because they're just, they have different budgetary needs sure. and, um, different, really the different amounts of money that they can spend on a service like ours. Um, really the more sophisticated and the more, um, personalized our service gets, the, the fee is increased. So, like if teams are sort of crafting our our scouting network based on their own personal needs, then that would be something that um, would be we would charge extra for. Um, but we do sort of charge a flat fee for spring season and summer season. Um, but just the more personal that our scouts, mm -hmm. our teams, and our clients want us to get, whether that's um, personalized reports, whether they want us to get different video data points, or, yeah. yeah, video, 
extra video if they want us to say get multiple reports on a certain guy or um, want us to our scout to go look at a guy that maybe is outside of our current coverage. But really, as as the more specific that they're looking for, um, that's really how if they if they want services sort of beyond our baseline package or beyond their baseline scouting network, then that's mm-hmm. sort of where the fee increases. How has it been for you? I know you said you went to the winter meetings and I, I realize you guys are only a year old and I know it's tough to to get in, you know, get your foot into the door, especially with a major league team. But um, what what is your approach and your route? Do you go through the scouting department first or do you go through uh, the front office first or are you just making connections with scouts that are out on the ground and then say, hey, you know, trying to get in that way? What's What's been your approach as far as trying to, to get the uh, the right decision maker at an organization. Sure. So we try to mainly um, target scouting directors or R and D people. Um, we really want to try to find people that are going to see the most value um, in our company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the winter meetings, we, yeah. So at the winter meetings, we uh, met with about I think nine or ten MLB teams, and it was just a great experience just to be able to pitch our company and our scouting system to them and really get feedback from them. And we just use that to improve um, in future seasons. So that was a really great experience um, as a company that hadn't collected a full season's worth of data to be able to get um, really meetings with 10 MLB teams was a huge um, huge success for our organization. And we definitely think that um, next winter meetings will be hopefully able to get um, meetings with 20 uh, MLB teams, if not more. Um, And definitely I'm going to try to meet with teams over the summer because I'll be um, up at the Cape um, meeting with MLB teams, um, when they come to the Cape league. Um, so I'm excited to provide, to present our company, um, to as many organizations as possible and really, um, get them on the phone and just walk them through our service. I mean, I think that once we walk through, um, really our database and what we would be able to provide to MLB teams that the value sort of speaks for itself. And, um, once teams sort of see the amount of data and video and, um, the quality of it that we can provide to them that they really see the inherent value in it. Mm. Well, Justin, this has been really, really interesting uh, from many different angles, but uh, more motivating than anything. I think uh, the listeners out there for you guys um, that are just getting started in the baseball business and, um, you know, thinking to yourself that, that all the jobs are taken or there's only 30 major league teams. How could I possibly get in uh, with it? But here's an example, a perfect example of a young man that went out and thought outside the box. And rather than trying to, you know, beat the door down uh, to one of 30 teams decided, how can I help all of them? So it's very inspiring, Justin. I just want you to know that um, from a guy who's been in this business for a long time now, over 20 years, and 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 done some of that uh, door beating myself uh, over the years trying to break into the scouting world, I'm very impressed with what you've done so far. Uh, Thank you. So I, I, say, I appreciate that. So I want to say congratulations with that. But I'd also like, if you wouldn't mind, sharing just a little bit of, again, some more inspiration to some of the people out there that might be coming out of college or even guys like me in their mid-40s that are not sure, you know, how to how to go about getting into this. I mean, what is it that's kept you going besides the the drive and the, and the passion and, as I like to say, the love of the game? Um, what are some of the things that you, you know, credit to getting you to where you are here, even though you're only, you know, 22 years old, just out of college getting started? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, my company definitely wouldn't be where it is today without my my management team. Um, they've been phenomenal and just been such a huge help um, throughout the past year. They've been in, uh, instrumental in making the company what it is today. Um, mm-hmm. So the best thing that I could say is um, really try to surround yourself with people that are as driven and, and as passionate that you as that are as driven and passionate as you are um, uh-huh. to work in the game of baseball. That's really what I think is one of the best aspects of our company. We're really connecting people um, all across the country um, that share the love of the game and can work with each other and help each other, um, not only while they work for our company, but in the future as well. So we really not only don't only want to become a feeder program of um, players we find across the country into MLB organizations, but we want to be able to become a feeder organization of MLB scouts and baseball operations interns and social media interns and writers and analytics mm-hmm. interns of people who leave our company and go on to work for MLB teams. And um, we've already seen that this season and from this past year where people have gone on from our company to work um, for different MLB organizations. And that's just honestly um, been a huge um, mm-hmm. point of pride for myself. Um, I love to see people really go on to bigger and better things and just being able to be a part of our organization and really grow your internal network um, is just a tremendous opportunity um, because really there's not many other places you can talk to um, and meet 150 other people from all across the country and all across the world that are as passionate about baseball um, and really just want to help you get better at what you do day in and day out. Um, So that's the biggest piece of advice that I can give is really try to surround yourself with people who are as passionate and as driven as you are, um, because that'll push you to be, to work harder and be better at what you do. Um, not just in baseball, but in really whatever you're trying to do, um, in your career. Sure. And in life, absolutely. You know, again, surrounding yourself with positive people is just going to make, uh, your day a lot uh, more enjoyable, uh, through and through for sure. That's great advice. And, um, you know, again, you're living proof of it, my man. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Is there anything else that uh, you want the listeners to know about? I know you said there's a hiring period coming up and what were those dates again? Sure. So we'll start be starting our hiring um, for not only the summer, but for next spring season um, tomorrow, Um, we'll be having that job posting up on teamwork, but definitely also be sure to check out um, our website for any uh, updates on that at cbscout.net. Um, I'm sure we'll be doing some social media posting about our um, our job postings um, at our Twitter handle um, at cbscoutingnet, um, as well as our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages. So definitely sure. make sure to keep an eye out for um, all of our different job postings. Um, and it doesn't just have to be in scouting. If you're interested in writing about baseball or mm-hmm. in the analytics side or the social media side, um, we're looking for people in all of those divisions as well. So definitely don't feel like if you're not a, going to be a scout, um, there's there's places for you in our company as well. Right. I'd like you also, if you wouldn't mind, give a shout out to some of those uh, those key personnel uh, people that are in the company, like you'd mentioned, that, that's helping the, uh, the wheels move in there. Do you want to list some names there so in case people want to Google them or get, find them on Twitter as well? Sure. So some of our... Um, our best regional managers that I actually just got promoted to uh, the position of scouting director. Um, but Richard Burfer um, has been phenomenal. Um, he's our uh, head of the Midwest and uh, Canada, and he's being promoted to head of the whole uh, Eastern seaboard. Um, mm-hmm. And then Curtis Etta, 
Um, he's graduating from Arizona State. And then just the rest of my great management team, um, Adrian Sadighi is in charge of our social media department. Uh, Jason Rubenstein is my VP and uh, our head of analytics. Um, Lance Bredestowski um, runs our website and is in charge of all of our writers on that side. But then beyond that, um, all of our regional managers, Caleb Shank, James Gomes, um, Peyton Trawick, and um, Chandler uh, Chappelle, and Pete Horner, uh, Scott Moore, and Sam Martin, and really just every one of our management team has just been instrumental in making the company what it is today. Um, so I'm really excited to be able to continue working with them um, for the next year and really see um, who else we're going to end up promoting to the management team because we definitely we have some openings and we're excited just to see the future of the company um, in the next year and the next five to ten years as well. Well, that is quite a list. And then you've got to add another, would you say, 120 scouts that are out there in the trenches every day, uh, you know, in the heat in certain parts of the country and, you know, getting their, um, uh, you know, getting their feet wet in the scouting part of things. And, and it's just an awesome, awesome company. I'm really happy to be a part of it. And I'm glad that we met, uh, you know, just four or five or six weeks ago. And I've been excited about it ever since then and, and working with Lance a little bit uh, some of the listeners there may have seen some of the articles that I've been writing at uh, College Baseball Network and looking to get more involved in it and uh, happy to be a part of it. So, Justin, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day and being on the show here. And uh, I couldn't be more excited for you and happy for what's going to be happening here in the future for you guys. Definitely. I really appreciate you having the time, um, having me on today, and I'm really excited for the future as well. All right, buddy. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll get this episode edited and pushed out and uh, shove it out across all the social media platforms and see if we can't drive up that interest for you. Awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay, my man. Have a great rest of the afternoon. I'll be talking to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Have a good day. Bye. Hey there, Nick Holmes again. Just wanted to say thank you very much for listening to Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. And if you get a second, please head over to worldbaseballexperience.com and put your email address in there. Subscribe to our free newsletter. It's not really a newsletter. It's just me collecting your email address so that I can send you uh, updates and new podcast information, maybe some photos and things like that. But don't worry, I don't have the time to spam anybody. So I promise that uh, I'll only be sending you quality information. <laughs> well, maybe not so much quality, but entertaining nonetheless. If you enjoyed today's episode, please pass it on to all of your seamhead friends out there, your baseball enthusiasts. If you didn't like this episode, then you're probably not still listening. So I appreciate your time. And once again, this is Nick Holmes signing off. We'll see you next time on Love the Game, Live the Dream. Take care. Mm-hmm.